Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls, and I'm super glad to be here. I'm grateful for this opportunity. Listeners, I am very glad that you're here. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm excited for our guest today and the wisdom and and what he's going to share with you. Our guest today is Kenny Lang. I know him as a husband, a dad, a coach, a Christ follower, a system and soul coach. And a little bit about Kenny. After selling his company that he started in his late 20s to another agency, he served as its second in command and helped grow their revenue by almost double in two years. During that time, he self-implemented a framework at that other agency and saw its impact was huge. However, he later found the system and soul framework and wished he had found it earlier because he would have been able to help those organizations achieve more growth with less pain. Now, as a coach, he creates leadership and organizational transformation that teams actually buy into so that they can build a people-first and high-performance culture. Kenny Lang, welcome to Why Not Me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Todd. I'm jazzed to be here. So, cool. I love jazzed. Jazz. I'd like to mix it up. You know, we always do our one-word emotion on the check-in, and I just like rotating through the wheel. I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't, I, I stay pretty much on the same three you syllables. Do. You actually inspired my check-in uh, earlier today. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all Todd Halls on this and go with uh, a grateful or a thankful. And uh, it felt good. It felt good. It felt like a step towards wisdom on my part. Outstanding. Thanks for the tip of the hat, by the way. <laughs> Kenny, how did you get here? So I got a little bit of background, but um, you're you're a system and soul coach. Um, how long have you been doing that? What what? Give us a little bit more of that background. What what was the agency that you were involved with, et cetera? Yeah, so I like a lot of digital agency owners, so web design, marketing, sales enablement, those sorts of things. Uh, now the the cool term is RevOps or revenue operations. But started in 2015, um, just accidentally um, hit a rough patch professionally and decided that my family would very much like to eat and (laughs) thought, you know what, I I really love uh, writing and producing content around leadership. I enjoy building websites. I'm pretty nerdy. I can talk to people. I had sales experience. And and so uh, I started finding some people who needed websites built and were not willing to pay the, the big professional firms. And so I launched out with a MacBook Air and a TV tray in 2015. 
And from there, I found the, the HubSpot partner ecosystem. And that was huge for me discovering the inbound marketing methodology. And so I just followed the path, got clients, hired my first employee, didn't know what I was doing, hired the second one, still didn't know, just kept growing until I had about a team of five at one point. And over the years, I started building relationships with other owners, uh, other agency owners, peers, and that was really helpful. And uh, several of them, mo- most of them were you know, light, what I felt like were light years ahead of me. And so would just offer wisdom, support, input. One of them became a good friend of mine. And we talked off and on about, you know, should uh, should we merge? Is He was about 10x uh, where I was. And Eventually, the stars aligned for us to, to get together, and he, he acquired my agency. And when we finalized everything, it was right before COVID hit. Literally, my first day was two weeks before the entire country locked down. Hmm. And so to this day, I still never met anybody from the company, uh, which is, is wild to a lot of people. But it was timely because they were a, a single office in-house operation and were not really prepared for remote working. They'd experimented over their, you know, 10 years in business at that point, but just never really had success. It never clicked. And I had been preparing to be remote uh, in terms of my operations. I had people who wanted to, you know, go live out of state. And in some cases I had a married couple who wanted to go and, and live in the UK for a while. And so we, I was studying, what does it take? How do you structure it? What tech, do you need? And it just so happened that that's what was needed immediately after I joined. And so I was able to help them revamp and move a lot of things around. But in the course of discussing with that owner, and this probably incited a lot of what you and I as coaches now, what what we seek out and, and what we're looking to help owners with is they're doing all of this, what feels like by themselves. They're, mm-hmm. they're, entrepreneurship can be very isolating and very lonely. And what I I tend to tell people is you, you dream of building your freedom. Um, What you feel like you end up building is your own prison and, and you want to get out as much as you can, but you got to keep the machine rolling because you got bills to pay and you feel an obligation to the employees and the mouths to feed. And so he and I started talking about how we could help, build him out of that. And also he and I got to feel like we weren't alone anymore, which was really nice. And that's when we found EOS and or not really when we found it, but we had a discussion around it because we'd both made attempts at implementing. It just never took for whatever reason. And as we started looking at the company and what was needed and what the goals were and things he had dreamed about the company becoming, but never really got to see realized we saw that we needed to restructure. So org chart, and with the without even following the methodology, we started with the org chart, which was great. And that's when we saw the the need for that second in command. And after you know looking at myself, some of his other leaders, I, I, I ended up being the best fit for that seat. And so if, you know, a few months after talking and planning, we went in that direction. I became the director of operations. And then I quickly became overwhelmed with how much there was to do and I needed to track to run on. And so I went all in on on EOS and read the books and started talking to people. And through that process and through 
facilitating the implementation discussions, I just I fell in love with what a framework can do. I mean, we use frameworks and operating systems uh, for almost everything in our world, uh, you know, at least our modern world. But I didn't see a ton of people using those in business. I saw fragmented pieces. There were certainly like there's project management processes and there's some HR processes and there might even be their sales methodologies, but I didn't see anything that just grabbed the entire business and wrap it in something that could help it feel like it was one coherent singular framework that allowed for freedom and creativity on the inside in those specific departments. And EOS felt like that to me. But as I went on, um, because of my, my background is in, in ministry for almost 20 years now, I'm still actively serving at, at my church. I felt like I, I've always felt in business, I'm too people first to be really successful in business. Like I'm not a shark and making deals and doing this and got the next unicorn. Um, and I've always felt a little too businessy. Uh, and organizationally minded to to really be accepted and and fit in and and church and nonprofit world, and so it was a bit like a man without a country. And so as I went through my time at that other agency, I said I really love implementation, I love facilitation, and I love the systems part, but it's missing some people elements. And so just different people kept dropping things to me just, you know, within that community. I met Benj, um, you know, who created System and Soul and um, met some other uh, great EOS implementers that I'm still friends with to this day that gave me great encouragement and wisdom on how to be a facilitator. And the more I thought about what is my unique, unique ability, which, you know, you and I talk about when we do an implementation of System and Soul with the, the fit in Fuel is... What energizes you and what are you great at? And as I look back over, you know, nearly six, seven years professionally of working in creative, the creative space, facilitating day-long workshops was when I was in my happy space. Hmm. I got the most reward. I was asking tough questions. I was holding space for these brilliant people to get clarity around their thoughts, pull it out, help them work the words together. To where I still see brands that I worked with have language around them because I was a big fan of, you know, and still am of Donald Miller and StoryBrand and I would run those workshops, but I still see that language used all over the place. And I think, man, wow, like I helped them get their unique calling out on paper so that they can go and reach the people they're called to serve. I was like, what if I could just do that full time? And that's when I started down the path of coaching and, and system and soul just resonated because I felt like that was the two halves of me coming together is the system and, and the soul side. And I was like, I want some of that. And the, the Lord's just been good to me and my family to be able to jump out and do, do this work that I really enjoy, focus on our family, which we have a large family. It's a bit like a circus and focus on ministry and then meet people who were far more like me. And, and I didn't really think we're out there. That's awesome. 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 Thanks. How do you, um, and this, well, based on what you just said, as you, as you kind of wrap that, put a bow on that, um, you've got a big family, you're an entrepreneur. Um, you're still supporting 
the church and working in the ministry, how do you keep all that in play? How do you keep it organized? A lot of caffeine. A lot of caffeine. Yeah. A lot of caffeine. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, how I keep it organized. Uh, I mean, I, I do enjoy my caffeinated beverages, but um, I know it seems silly, but kind of going to what we were talking about before we hit record is um, a real focus on my health um, physically is um, when do I go to sleep? When do I get up? Am I exercising? Um, trying to cultivate uh, routines for meditation and just trying to quiet my mind because it, it goes mock. I go mock Jesus with my hair on fire is sort of my joke. And a lot of times that means my mind is racing and it's great to think quickly and be, you know, quick on your feet. But a lot of times it doesn't hold space to really kind of the working in the business instead of on the business. It means I'm working in my life instead of working on my life. And so I have to force myself to, to slow down. And I think some is just realizing I had agency over, uh, by agency, you know, I just mean the, the power to choose and, and using that, which is part of my why is helping people see that they, they have a choice and they can make that choice to organize their lives the way in which they deem necessary and beneficial. And that, and, but that's terrifying, right? It even, it scares me, but I know when I'm doing some things that scare me that I'm going in the right direction. And so it scares me to continue to be a, a foster parent to 18 kids and counting plus my, my three. It scares me to help um, try to build a, a church that's teetering on the brink of, you know, 200 people now. We lost a bunch, after, you know, coming out of COVID. But to make that kind of investment to get that off the ground, it scares me to have started a second business in an industry where I I wasn't mentored. I don't have this, you know, great big reputation. I don't have a book. It wasn't, you know, I was the CEO of a major corporation and now I'm doing executive coaching. So of course, everybody's going to throw money at me. All those things scare me, but it lets me know that I'm moving in a direction that I'm learning something new. And when I'm doing those things, it forces me to organize it. And it doesn't allow me any real space to be lazy or complacent. It, it keeps everything at a high level and focuses me. And so there's, there's a lot I don't do, um, but I have the domains that are important to me, um, which would be, you know, family, faith, and, and my, and my work. I should put facilitation in there just to have the three F's. Yeah. Um, but that sort of pressure is ma maintaining pressure is what helps. Um, because I think absent of pressure, absent of constraints, you have no creativity, you have no breakthrough, you have no innovation. And something that I'll go back to, and I'll just wrap with this is, you know, I've interviewed hundreds of people at this point from different positions um, throughout my professional career. And I was listening to a, a leadership podcast and they were talking about the interview process and how many steps and all these different things. And then they talked about reading through resumes, which I, I think are kind of a, a joke at this point, but they mentioned 
when people talk about how many years experience they have. And they say, well, you know, there's a lot of people who will put, they have 10 years experience at uh, project management, graphic design, whatever. And it says, now, do you actually have 10 years of experience doing that? Or do you have one year of experience 10 times? There's a very big difference. And so I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, well, I had about the same three years of experience 20 or 30 times. I don't want that because then I'm not growing. It's not exciting to me. I'm not, and in my opinion, I'm not making a difference. And before I die, I just want to know that I made the world a better place than that I brought out the best in others so that they can do what they're called to do. How do you, or how, how, how would one recognize if they're living the same experience, because it, I, I, I grasp what you're saying, and I'm a uh, one of my one of my <clears throat> lifestyle values is just continued growth and improvement, right? And and to do mm-hmm. so, it gets uncomfortable, and that maybe oftentimes it's, there's a bit of fear. Sometimes it's just the the discomfort of the discipline of doing things that I really don't feel like doing. But for as you explain that, and not wanting to, you know, basically have three years of experience 10 times over, how, how would you recognize that? What, what could our listeners be on the lookout for so that they don't suddenly look back and realize, Oh crap, I fell into that. Um, I think you could ask yourself, what's the last thing that I was a beginner at or really terrible at? What are you, what are you willing to be stupid about. And, and if there's nothing, if, if you're a master of everything, if you've been, if everything in your life has been going on since time began, then, then I think you might be in that rut. Now that's nothing against consistency, right? Like you can be, you can have consistency in things, but the expression of it looks differently, just like the way humans should grow. I may have, you know, the same motivations and core values, but they may be expressed differently as I grow older, I gain wisdom, knowledge, experience. But if you haven't sucked at something in a while, then I'd say you probably fell into that trap. Because everybody sucks at the very beginning. It's only through practice and and repetition that you improve and get better. Yeah. Yeah. So if we, if we find we're good at everything we're doing, it's it's time to grow. I would, I would say so. (laughs) Good words. Love it. Um, And as you've been working with, um, well, business owners for a while, because your, your agency was B2B, right? Business to business. Um, Right. So going back to the health thing, because you hit on something, I, I run into and you know, business owners saying they want work-life balance or they want to take better care of themselves or they don't say that. Um, one of my clients um, uh, had a triple bypass uh, uh, oh, wow. a couple months ago, unexpected, right? Um, so, but, but as business owners, we get in the business and we're running on, you know, and, and it's just this constant. So 
are you are you seeing that same thing? In what words, like like how can you how can we help business owners start to design their own schedule regimen? What are some quick easy tips? What are things you should be looking out for, etc. Yeah, that's a great question, and that, I think that question paralyzes a lot of business owners because they'll. Especially if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, you're used to going and figuring things out for yourself. So they've probably gone out and they've they've read, you know, dozen plus articles. They know it's like, okay, I've got to do all these 20 things. And it's hard to know, well, which one do I start with? I'm a big fan of just find something, develop sort of a land and expand approach. Find one thing you can start doing that you have total control over that is the the keystone habit. And I think it was uh, Charles Duhigg uh, in his book, I think it's Habit. I just blanked on the on the title, but you know, some listener can find it. You can email me, correct me, whatever. It'll go to spam. But uh, <laughs> but he talked about keystone habits. And so find the one habit that if that domino falls, the other ones tend to fall. And so like when people think I need to eat right, I need to exercise, I need to sleep, I need to drink water, I need to do this. I tell my, my clients or my friends or, or anybody, just start exercising. If you start exercising with any regularity for any amount of time, let's just say you go, you know, 10, 20 minutes, three times a week, just for a jog even or, or walk or whatever, you're going to you're going to not want to eat crappy foods because you'll eat some crappy foods and then you'll go exercise and then you'll feel crappier and you'll go, Oh wow, I don't want that feeling again. So you'll start to eat better. When you exercise, you'll start to sleep better. So you don't necessarily have to worry as much about that. You're naturally going to be more thirsty or you'll want preventative care and you're going to start to take on and and hydrate a bit more. And so Find the one thing that you can start doing in a small way is just commit to that. Don't commit to everything. Don't You don't have to commit to transforming your life. Just commit to taking a step. And just take that one step and take it consistently because the one thing that I learned over the last few months, um, which I know you know, but you know the listeners don't, is that I you know, trained from January through March to compete in a, a Ironman 70.3 race. And one of the things that became very clear to me was it's not, it's not what you're capable of. It's what you can do consistently that makes the biggest difference. There's um, a lot of lessons in that that carry over into our relationships, our business. (laughs) Right. We, we, you started on a fitness track, but you just talked about life, right? The, the small steps done consistently over time yield tremendous results. Um, Absolutely. You're, so thanks for bringing up the, the, the Ironman. Um, tell, tell us about that. And so you, you shared one lesson you learned. What else, what else did you learn? Um, actually, what, what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself in that experience? Um, besides that I'm insane, um, for doing that on three months of, of training, I think the, I, 
there, there was a phrase that I got from a speaker I heard in mid late January that articulated something I felt. And I think I have expressed in an immature way for the better part of my life. And this just gave me some language to express this, this driven side of me, this competitive side of me, because it it is, it's a competitive side that fuels like being in business and doing, doing a triathlon. Like my first ever triathlon is, is a half Ironman, right? Like I even had people at the race look at me like, well, that's one way to live your life. Um, is was the it was the phrase competing against what's possible and the more i thought about it is as i'm running as i'm racing as i'm pushing my body i love the feeling of that of that intensity um just physically mentally and emotionally I, i i crave intense experiences but i walked away understanding that my drive is really i'm not necessarily competing against everybody else, even though certainly I enjoy that. I've played soccer since I was four. I played yesterday. I played on a, on a team, you know, on the weekends. And so I get to enjoy that. But really I love competing against what's possible. What's, what's the upper limit for me, which means that for me to succeed, others don't have to fail. Mm. And that's the part where it's where I've, I've lived in immaturity in that expression is if I was going to win, other people had to lose. They had to be worse. They had to be dumber. They had to be slower. They had to be weaker in some way, shape or form. And more and more I'm seeing because in the, uh, in any of the Ironman races, like, yes, there, there, there are place finishes. You can go to the world championships. You can do all that stuff. But largely, it is an individual race that you do alongside a couple thousand other people. (laughs) We just all happen to show up and do the same thing in the same place at the same time, but we have nothing to do with the other people. Sure. And, And I think that's, it just showed me that that's the place where if I'm going to mature, that I need to live is... I have a potential. I have a calling. There's there's a ceiling. You know, I'm five nine, so I'm never going to play in the NBA, right? I'm also 35, so I'm like past when when it's feasible to be any sort of professional athlete. But I know, like, that's one of those things. But there's a whole lot of other things that do interest me and do spark energy and, and passion for me. And so, as I've wrapped up that race, I'm already signed up for another one um, in six months. Um, and I'll probably sign up for that same race so I can go and beat my time, um, next year. But I, I want to see how far I can push myself because I, I want to know what's, I want to compete against what's possible. Um, and that's exciting when, if I truly believe that I was put on earth to, to do good, to be a blessing to others is if I compete against what's possible, well, what's possible is, well, how many people could I impact? And specifically, as you, you mentioned at the you know, top of the show, uh, I'm a Christ follower, is how many people 
could I love like Jesus loved? How, how, how many destinies, how many legacies, how many family lines, um, how many lives, not because of me, but, but through me, like could Christ impact? And that um, drives me absolutely ev- every day. That's awesome. So that ties into why I became uh, a coach, why I, why I do what I do working with businesses. Uh, small business owners have such a tremendous impact and reach in their sphere of influence, right? I've heard varies from, they say a, a small business owner is going to have direct contact with between 800 and 1,200 people a year. And so as, wow. as we serve them in our in the respect we do and allow them to get their head up out of the weeds, get stop working in the business and work on the business and mm-hmm. and their leadership team improves and they develop other leaders and and it creates this ripple effect throughout our communities right and and to, to the point you were just making the impact that you can have by serving small business owners and their leadership teams really well allows them to just really positively impact the folks in their sphere of influence and it creates this this infinite ripple effect that just goes on forever um and you know the phrase competing against what's possible when you think of that and what you're doing we don't know what's possible because i I believe it's infinite yeah so how does that fit how does how does competing against what's possible fit into the business world it it fits i think in a in a lot of different ways, but I'll focus maybe mainly on like founders, owners, entrepreneurs, and and their leadership teams is if you, if you got into business, you saw, you saw a need, you saw a problem and you wanted to address it. Um, And obviously there, there's personal, you can call them selfish reasons, but you know, maybe you wanted uh, to create a certain amount of wealth or, Freedom, time, whatever you know, whatever wealth means to you, not just money. Uh, could be freedom. I think um, was it uh, Dan Sullivan talks about. There's there's different kinds of wealth there, but when you when you think about competing against what's possible, I think that's where having a, a roadmap not not to just overly plug system and soul, um, but there is so much that resonates with me with system and soul and and what in the work we do is we have the roadmap and when we set you know the hedgehog and really understand what we're passionate about what we could be the best in the world at and what what could drive our economic engine and what's that you know the the big hairy audacious goal as jim collins called it with the destination and what kind of culture do we want to create i think there's a lot of excitement there and as a business owner to say, well, this is where I'm starting. This is kind of what I'm seeing. But every month, every quarter, every year, you should be taking in new information and making new bets and saying, oh, well, I thought this was the ceiling of what's possible. But now we realize this is the ceiling. We thought this was our audience, but actually this over here is our audience and we can serve them much better than we thought we could serve this. We can serve a niche better than we can serve everybody. For me, it's 
it's about constant discovery and there's an excitement about constantly discovering who do I help? How do I help? What are their needs? How can I meet those needs? And then the thing, and and while I love the broader audience, but when I was, when I had a team around me, because right now I'm, you know, solopreneur, uh, which is a weird word, but we'll make peace with it. But when I had a team, that actually was the most enjoyable part of, of owning a business was having a team of people who previously had not worked in this industry, didn't really work in professional cert, you know, um, businesses or, or, or workspaces and getting to train them, develop them to the, and then see now where, where did they end up? Where did they go? Are there, you know, there's a, a couple that are making a great living now still in the digital space. And they're actually right now, because I've just started over, they're making more money than I am, like as a household income. And part of that's just because we're, you know, my family's a single income household, but they're doing great and they're pursuing ministry. They're pursuing their dreams. They're, they're doing some really cool things. I got to help get them started. So what's possible for the people? So when you're that senior leader, what's possible for developing your people? I honestly, I wanted more money in my business to hire more people to bring them in so that I could train them and figure them out and be in in their lives day to day and say, where do you want to go and how could I help you get there? That is truly limitless potential because you can keep hiring people and they step off and somebody else comes in. It's a revolving door. I mean, yes, we love long tenured employees, blah, 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 but you know, statistics would show you're not going to keep somebody for 10 plus years, you know, unless you're a really unique business and small and there's all sorts of circumstances. But if you're a a senior leader, you have such a cool opportunity, not just to impact the the customers, because over time, as you grow larger, you're going to actually have more distance from the end user consumer um, person that you're serving. And you're going to be focused more on those people that are inside of your quote unquote, four walls. What's possible for them? That's where it becomes really exciting because it is far easier to push yourself and figure out how to achieve for yourself than it is to try to help unlock that in someone else where you have far less control. And that for me is when somebody goes from just being a person with positional leadership to being a true leader. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Love, love all that. So you mentioned earlier that you listen to leadership podcasts and you've touched on, you know, and this aside from listening to, well, actually, what would be, I think I know what your favorite leadership podcast is. Uh, so share what your favorite one is. And then what, what do you find yourself listening to? Well, right now I want to ask you what you think my favorite one is, because uh, I have a feeling you think it's, it's my own. Wouldn't that be self-serving? Um, but <laughs> I, I have a few, um, and I go, man, I go through seasons where I listen to leadership podcasts and then I'll just listen to like comedy podcasts, partly because, uh, you know, I just love comedy and, and uh, there's a lot to learn there and I like laughing, but I, I got a lot early on. I, I got so much benefit from the entree leadership podcast, um, from, you know, Dave Ramsey's group, mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think my, Michael Hyatt has gone through a couple of different iterations on his podcast, and that was really good. Uh, obviously, the System and Soul podcast, I was actually listening to that one this morning, and that episode, I'm about halfway through this one episode about the power of pausing. And so it was, it's, it's timely for me because uh, I need to continue to learn how to pause. But that's probably one that I've really leaned into in terms of development. Um, I can't think because I've, I've been a bit on a break from some business podcasts, but I have my own, um, the How Leaders Think, which uh, your episode. So everybody, this is a back and forth, the trade-off podcast. All right. So I'm not saying it's a part one, part two, but if you enjoy this one, two combo, then, um, here in, in the next, uh, month or so, um, Todd's episode will be dropping on the how leaders think podcast. So make sure to check that out. <laughs> And we'll just keep you in a virtuous cycle. You just go between our two podcasts, and that's really the only podcast you need. It's you can all, unsubscribe all anybody, from those others. It's all you need, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, okay, this has been a ton of fun. Before before I let you go, um, what is one important or impactful question that you would leave with our listeners? So the... This is a question, strangely enough, I heard on a podcast, it was the typology podcast, because uh, I'm a huge fan of the Enneagram, but I'm an eight, by the way, for anybody that's curious. But this question I took and I've used in a bunch of different places, and the answers have the potential to sting quite a bit. So this question's not for the faint of heart, and it is... What do you know about me that I don't, but I should? What do you know about me that I don't, but I should? Be, now ask people this question, especially if you're doing it in a business context. Tee it up that they can speak with candor. That doesn't mean they get to be a jerk. Um, but they also don't need to sugarcoat it because you're the boss. But ask people that you know and love and trust and can rely on to be honest with you. But oftentimes people aren't trying to hide things from you to stop you from growing or, or pointing something out. They, they're aware of it. They may just not have had the prompt and you may have not held the space for that answer. And the times that I've, I've asked that it's, it's been beautifully painful. In one case, I had a leader who I, I love and respect. He was actually, he was one of my leaders. And I asked a version of, of that question, um, which was, you know, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And he he told me, when is anything ever going to be good enough for you? Hmm. And here I thought I was competing against what's possible. It was in a church setting. And I was like, we're chasing after the gospel. We're doing this. And I'm just trying to help because I'm improving everything. Like, that's a great idea, but you can make it 10 times better here. I discovered that that 
you know, what I didn't really know about myself, but I needed to was that what I thought was improving was actually tearing down the, the confidence and trust of the, the people that I was serving alongside, hmm. which was never my intent. So I was devastated when I heard that. And since then, I've really worked on how can I deliver that the meaning that I want more effectively. And since then, I've, been, I've enjoyed a much better relationship um, and much better results. But ask that question. Cool. Uh, what, what do you know about me that I don't, but I should? Do it once a year. It'd be a nice fresher upper. Uh, it'll also be uh, rightly uh, humbling in case your head gets too big to go through a door. It'll shrink your ego. So <laughs> uh, what, a, what a blessing. So it's a fantastic question. But what a blessing that the person that you asked um, spoke to you in truth. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes that's not the case, right? That like, oh, I really can't think of it. They, they pitch you a softball, right? But here's somebody yeah. said, well, glad you asked. And it's made, it's, it's allowed <laughs> you to shift and become a better version, it sounds like. So super cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So listeners, if so ask the question. And then also if they ask you uh, with love, respond with truth, please. Uh, Kenny, for, for our listeners that want to get in touch with you, learn more about System and Soul and what you're doing with that or anything else, Kenny Lang related, where, where can they track you down? The best one-stop shop is KennyLang.com and uh, Lang is L-A-N-G-E. Uh, you can also, and you'll also find the the podcast where mine and Todd's episode will be coming out um, is linked up there, the How Leaders Think podcast. But I'm also on LinkedIn. And so if you follow the URL structure, it's just forward slash Kenny Lang. I was an early mover, so I claimed my name. But uh, the website and, and my LinkedIn profile are going to be the best places to connect. Cool. Kenny, thanks so much for being on. It has been, it's been a blast. Pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. You bet. Listeners, whatever grand get, grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, remember, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life, and I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.